The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individuals participating in the show. All persons described or mentioned in the podcast should be considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This podcast contains subject matters such as violence and graphic descriptions along with adult language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you listen to our podcast, you know nothing fascinates us more than a good disappearance. But the more we research, the more baffling they soon become. Tonight, we will present two baffling cases. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce podcast. And tonight, we bring you the case of Drake Kramer and the Martin family. Good evening. It has been one year of questions now, but very few answers after a San Antonio man just vanished at the Grand Canyon. Tonight, News for San Antonio's Ashley King shows us how his family is renewing the search effort one year later. 365 days. We're just waiting, waiting to hear something. And no word from 22-year-old Drake Kramer. A year ago today was the last time I saw Drake. Kramer vanished last February. He was last seen checking out of a Grand Canyon hotel. I don't know. I don't know if he's just out there trekking around. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Could you not hear the intro? I didn't hear anything. I thought you were just messing with me. Oh, man. I, was, I think you talked over the news segment because I didn't have it recorded. And you were like, hey, man, this is where you take over. And I was like, you can't hear the people talking. <laughs> well, you may have to play it again. It, well, it's because it's through the same interface. I was wondering how that would work. So well, this will uh, the unedited version will definitely make it to Patreon. They will be laughing their ass off on this I one. Thought, all I thought was like you were just staring like a moron at me, like that. Which one we have done. Just, which we both done, have like, done. Two minutes of dead air waiting on each other to talk. I thought you. I thought we went into that loop again. So I was trying to break the cycle. <laughs> oh no! I was like, so it goes in, and you're like, it's your turn, and I was like, can you not hear that? I was like, I did my tiny part of this podcast. I contributed my 10 seconds. Oh, that is It's your turn to take over. <laughs> this is what happens when I get sick and we can't record on a Sunday and I don't have my shit together or a t- Thursday. Oh. But anyway, um, I don't have any. We do have, I don't have any new patrons to talk about, but I will say there were some nice, uh, Hope you get better because we had to, you know, kick this one down the road. We are actually recording on the day that we're supposed to release. So the this episode's coming out two days later. Um, I will say everybody's like, get feeling better. Hope you feel better. Get well soon. And then Morgan Anonymous was like, food poisoning, dot, 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 or poison. Bum, bum, bum. Everybody's like, Get well, get soon, get be- get well soon, because we can't do this shit with just Coach, brother. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the shortest bad. fucking, like the intro podcast. Like, man, I'd really like to hear that case. Well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, uh, Heater did, I did send Heater a picture. So when I took my son to visit the Kentucky Weldon Institute, 
I messaged Heater about a local soda up there. I was like, dude, what is this? And so he was like, I'm not going to taint your taste buds. Try it. Tell me what you think. So I did. What was it? L8. L8? L, A, L, E, and then the number eight. L8. Okay. I got you. And it's like a Eastern Kentucky, like you either love it or you hate it. They got a cherry flavor and then they have a just a regular one. And it's like supposed to be like ginger ale, the original one is. And then imagine cherry flavored ginger ale, I guess is what the cherry flavor is supposed to be like. But sounds to, terrible to me. They put a shit ton of sugar in carbonated water with no flavoring. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so you either like it or you don't. There's no in between. It's like, it's like liquid rock candy. I wished it was a little bit sweeter than, or had some flavor, not sweeter. So I, being the good husband that I am, went grocery shopping with my wife this weekend. And at the local Kroger down here in Georgia, they First have, of all, it's called Kroger's. I'm sorry, Kroger's. They the Kroger's. Have, they have <laughs> L8s at the Georgia Kroger's. So I took a picture of it and sent it to Heater. And so Heater replied to, hope you get well soon and all that stuff. He goes, you drank a bunch of those L8s, didn't you? <laughs> that's, how, that's how they get you. All right. So the sinking suspicion is I got a hold of some bad ranch followed up by I am deathly allergic to avocados and um, bananas. I love both of them. Like I love banana pudding. I love guacamole, but I'm serious. It's like I had drank rock gut whiskey if I get a hold of any. And so sure enough, Sunday to compound the horrible ranch that I got on Saturday, I ordered some soup at the local latino restaurant and they forgot to take out that their avocado and so by me picking them out it didn't get all of that out of there so it compounded it so yeah i just i just blew my nose off to spite my face but i was thinking man you know what'll make me feel better some good chicken soup as long as they don't put avocados in there and then there you go sure enough they done screwed it up again. Because <clears throat> everybody knows avocados is the main ingredient to chicken soup. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. Okay, so tonight we are bringing you a twofer. And the first part, we're going to talk about one Drake Kramer. He was born Drake Lyons Kramer. And he was 21 years old. On um in 2015, so y'all do the math. I'm not playing along at home with you. Uh, he had enrolled to study geology at the University of Texas. He was originally from San Antonio, and he was last seen on Sunday, February 1st of 2015, near the Bright Angel Lodge on the south rim of the Grand Canyon National Park in Arizona. Hmm. Now, the next day, his parents, Robin and Brenda Kramer, would report him missing. Drake had left his vehicle, a white 2007 Mazda 323 with the Texas license plate number CSK1767 at the lodge and has never been seen or heard of again. It's like he just stepped out into the abyss. Now, Drake had stayed the night as or at the Bright Angel Lodge 
and checked out the next morning. He had sent his family a strange text message before his disappearance in which he said, quote, he had to give his body to Mother Earth, end quote. Now, the family was surprised he had driven to California and then on to the canyon. They last saw him on January 29th when they went to see the film American Sniper, and he was reported to, quote, be in good spirits, end quote. Now, according to Kramer's father, it was very unlike him to travel to places like the Grand Canyon alone, but he had been to the area two to three times before. However, he was very experienced in the outdoors. So once he is reported missing, park rangers and search and rescue begin their search efforts around the South Rim area from Hermit's Rest on the west side to Grandview on the east for around six days. Now, the Park Service said, quote, teams of searchers have walked miles along the canyon rim, searched heavily forested areas, utilized dog teams, performed several over-the-rim technical searches, and conducted multiple aerial reconnaissance missions to support ground searchers, end quote. But they could not find any sign of Drake. Now, rangers did say that the terrain along with the time of day, as well as how well, the shadows play on one side of the canyon made searching very difficult. The weather, they said, in the daytime was in the 60s and had been good, but the terrain was too rocky and unstable without those technical searches, which basically a technical search means they lock in and they're repelling or they're climbing with ropes. Um. It's not a little thing. It is a hell of an endeavor. Yes, this like, is not a lot of effort. This isn't a joke. No, and when There's they a lot of money, a lot of time, and a lot of effort spent trying to locate this man. And when they do a search in the Grand Canyon, they really do. They don't just half-ass it. And so for for them to search for six days, I feel like they put in the due diligence. Now, his text, Drake's text message to his parents with that return to Mother Earth, have led some people to say that that was his way of telling them that he was committing suicide and he was going to just go out in nature and end it all. However, it is unusual for such things to happen in the south rim of the Grand Canyon, and there has been no sign of him or his belongings and you would think something would have survived if he had committed suicide. Well, it's an odd comment, you have to admit. It oh, no, no, it is very odd. odd. I will say that. But the fact remains that nothing being found, maybe he ran away, you know, like he ran off to be a mountain man or a desert man or whatever you want to say. He wanted to live off the land. And that might be why nothing has been found, but it's an odd, odd comment. Yeah, now, uh, the one-year anniversary, the, uh, what was it, News for San Antonio did a little snippet and an article, and they said that the family had was trying to renew the search efforts, and they were going, they were trying to retrace the route they thought he made getting to the Bright Angel Lodge. And they stated, quote, we're going to stop at all the rest areas on the way or as at least as many as we can. They plan to pass out car magnets, business cars, stickers, 
and get the word word out about the missing man, and hopefully someone may remember seeing him on the trip up there. Quote, all we can do is spread his picture and hope that somebody will recognize him, his mother Brenda said. I'm sorry, his stepmother Brenda said. A little ray of sunshine will help at this point, end quote. Now, you know, going back to the the text message, his dad Robin said, until he's given proof that he's no longer alive, he has to keep the faith and believe that his son is still alive out there. Um, they also were holding on to hope because Drake had wrote his stepmother a letter that she now has test test tattooed on her arm and it and it said quote i truly love and cherish every soul i met and will meet in my lifetime love drake lines kramer hmm. now according to his family that little letter doesn't seem to to them like someone that's going off and killing themselves but we all know that that is a very slippery knife's edge that you can be fine one day and completely off your thinking, positive thinking, especially the next. And so, and, and one thing that kind of echoed in for me in this, and we're, I'm not going to get into conspiracy theories. I'm just going to put this out there and we'll just let it be like it is. But our mysterious podcast. Why not get into the conspiracy theory? Because we'll be in the weeds on this one for like an hour and they'll be like, Man, I thought this episode was about Drake Kramer. But anyway, what I was gonna say was I saw on one of the social medias, um, Chester from Lincoln Park, his wife posted a picture of her and him and their kids looking out over the ocean with the caption that says less than 48 hours after this picture was taken, I would lose my soulmate. So you never know what someone's going through. So I guess that's what I'm saying here. While as we read into this, that is a little dark, got to return back to mother nature or mother earth. But from what I could gather in some of the message boards, he kind of talked like that when he just felt like society had gotten, had weighed him down and was crushing his soul. He was like, I'm just going to return to mother earth. I'm going to walk around, do a little bit of hiking, recharge my batteries and come back. And so I think that's where the family's coming from. Um, also there was no history of depression or suicidal thoughts. Uh, there was nothing that I could find that stated that he was into recreational, illegal, or illicit drugs. So, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it is one of those enigmatic cases, and basically that's all the facts that are out there. The rest of anything that you look up are news articles that, Reference the anniversary, how they still haven't found anything, how they don't know what has happened, and then it's all conjecture on did he run away to start a new life? Did he commit suicide? Did he happen to come across some drug smugglers going through the dr the Grand Canyon? So it's I don't know if you would say it was four one one S because there's not a lot of boulder fields, but I mean, it's, it checks a couple of the boxes, that's for sure. Absolutely. 
Well, I mean, really, drug deals, drug dealers going through the Grand Canyon. I yeah. mean, why? I know, I know. There's got to be more efficient routes. Just saying. Agreed, agreed. Now, unfortunately, there's not a whole lot about Drake's life leading up to him enrolling in the geology program in college. So that's why we kind of paired this one with our next case. There's just not a lot of information out there about Drake. Uh, We like to bring light to some of these lesser-known cases. So if you are out in the Grand Canyon or you have stayed at Bright Angel Lodge or have plans to, Hopefully you will look around the area and see if you can see any sign of foul play or things that just shouldn't be there. Like, I don't know, Egyptians in the Grand Canyon, because I really want to do an episode on that. Yeah. Okay, so the next doozy of an episode or topic that we bring you is that of the Malton family from Portland, Oregon. This was just after Coach was born in 1958. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if that's me, brother, then that, what year were you born? 38. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, old motherfucker. <laughs> so the Martin family consisted of Mother Susan um, and... Father Kenneth, I'm sorry, not I Susan. Mean, it was not Susan. I spoke out of turn. I do apologize. It was, are we not even going to say what we thought, we, what we think happened to Drake? I mean, we, we can't. can't skip that. I was I mean, just going to give. I was just going to give both of them. <laughs> I'm just saying. By the time we get to the end, you'll forget about uh, Drake. Yeah. Okay. Everybody so. forgot about Drake. <laughs> Got something to say, and nothing comes out when you move the lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. Motherfuckers act like I forgot about Drake. (laughs) Uh, I'm just saying. Okay, so yeah, I honestly think he may have been hiking, and the way that Search and Rescue have talked about how unsteady the terrain was around there, uh, he may have just unfortunately slipped and fell down in there, and you're just not going to find somebody. That's the problem. It seems like it'd be hard to do. Yeah, but, it I does, mean, but I guess... Comment, do you think the comment was a suicide comment? I mean... I really don't. I mean, from what I read, it seemed like, like I said, he he would make similar comments, like, I, you know, when he had had enough of, basically, society, and he's like, no, nah, I do not need any more people in my life. I'm going to go for a hike. And so let, me, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The more that I interact with people, the more I'm agreeing with that shit. Like, I literally just want to be left alone, and I just just can't. I just can't. Like, people are just fucking – they're stupid, they're annoying, and they insist on fucking causing trouble. It's like, dude, I don't care about you or your feelings or your people. I just want to go inside, watch my TV – uh, sleep in my bed and everyone else can fuck off. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> all made we all made fun of that older teacher when we first started teaching about yeah. he eats the same thing, drinks the same thing every weekend. You know what? I know where he's coming from now. Yeah, like just see, like just I don't I don't want. 
Yeah, that's me. So, I'm just good. I'm good. I don't want to adult I'm, anymore. I've had my fill. It's yes. not for me. <laughs> I want to go back to about the third grade. That's about as old as I want to ever get. Like, anyway, I don't know. I think, man, I don't think that that comment was necessarily a suicide comment. I think that was more or less just him, like, being over it. Like, I can relate. I can see me saying something like that, and I'm not suicidal at all. I love me some me. I'm not getting rid of me. <laughs> it's everybody else. <laughs> right. Well, and the other thing is, there's a lot of times where I'll just leave my phone inside and I'll just go outside. It's not that I'm going on a hike because I don't hike. But I do love the fact that I don't have that electronic leash around me sometimes. So... That's our two takes on the Drake Kramer. So let's rewind and get into the Martin family from Portland, Oregon. This is way back. Yes. And this occurred over Christmas time in 1958. And Kenneth Martin, age 54, and his wife, Barbara Martin, age 48, and the couple's three daughters, Barbie, Virginia, and Susan, ages 14, 13, and 11, respectively, all headed out to gather greenery for Christmas decorations. So not quite the Griswolds were going out to cut down the tree, but they were going out to gather greenery to make Christmas decorations. Now, the Martin family also had an older son named Donald, but he was in the United States Navy and was stationed in New York at the time of the Christmas decoration outing. Now, on December, actually the evening of December 7th, 1958, Kenneth and Barbara Martin attended a Christmas party before returning to their home at 1715 Northeast 56th Avenue in Roseway, which is a neighborhood in Northeast Portland. Now, they had made plans for a day trip into the country on December the 8th. Now, in the late morning of December 7th, Kenneth and Barbara had left, like I said, with their daughters in their 1954 cream and red colored Ford Country Squire station wagon to head off. Nice vehicle. Yes, to head off into the Columbia River Gorge where they intended, like I said, to pick up greenery to make Christmas wreaths and decorations. Now, the knowledge of where they were throughout the day of December the 7th is kind of sparse at best. Now, Dean Baxter, a gas station proprietor, reported that he had seen the family when they purchased five gallons of gasoline at his store in Cascade Locks around 4 p.m., which puts them approximately 40 miles from their home in Portland. So five gallons of gas in 1958 probably cost them 60 cents, maybe. <laughs> maybe 30 cents, but yes, you're right. <laughs> Those were the days. Back in my day, they gave gas for free. <laughs> and it was leaded. <laughs> the way God intended. That's right. Now, according to Baxter, he recalled their car continuing east after they had purchased gasoline. None of that girly ethanol. <laughs> None of that corn liquor shit. 
All right, so the family was then seen again right after the Paradise Snack Bar in Hood River, which is almost 20 miles east of Cascade Locks. And at that snack bar, a waitress named Clara York stated she had served the family. Now, other reports from passing motorists indicated that the family was seen in an unspecified location on the north bank of the Columbia River in Washington at dusk. Now, according to eyewitnesses who saw the family that day, Kenneth was reportedly wearing a tan zip-up jacket, dark slacks, while Barbara wore a navy blue coat, a plaid jacket, and a black print dress. Barbie was reportedly dressed in jeans with rolled cuffs and a beige coat. Now, what's odd is when people start to miss the Martin family, they go to their home, and it just looks like they literally packed up for a couple hours trip because there were dishes left in the sink. There was laundry left in the washing machine, but they basically disappeared and were never seen again for years. Detectives tried to crack the case of how an entire family goes missing. So were they abducted? Did they meet an untimely demise or did someone have them murdered. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's so hard to disappear without a trace, especially with your car. Like, so it's, I would suspect foul play first hearing about it. However, I don't know. What do you, I mean, well, the thing is, they said that the day before they went on this trip that uh, Kenneth had put on a Santa suit and attended a Christmas party where he handed out candy canes to his neighbors, which was a family tradition he had done for years and years. Um, and so when you when the investigators get into the house, the Santa suit that he had worn the night before was still laid out like he had left it out so I guess it would be washed separately was the only thing I would think, you know, with a load of laundry in the washing machine. Um, yeah. Now, the oldest daughter, Barbie, was a 14-year-old freshman at the local high school. school Skrr. Uh, Skrr. Now, it's between... People have stated that it's between filling up with gas and the time they were at the snack bar that they disappeared, which is kind of odd it would more than likely be like a, a trail of clues that they filled up with gas, then made it to the snack bar where the lady states that she waited on the family, but they just basically vanished and never returned back to Portland. That's when their friends would call the police. But like I said, there's nothing really to go on. Um, they did do a cursory search. Uh, they could not find any trace of the family or their station wagon. Now, the Medford Mail Tribune reported that the first clue arrived in the Martins family mailbox two weeks after they had des- disappeared. And that was a gas station re- receipt showing that Kenneth had signed for the five gallons of gas on the day of the disappearance. 
No, no money had been removed from the Martin family bank account since that transaction. Now, the receipt led authorities back to that gas station in Cascade Locks, but like I had told you previously, there was nothing to report other than, yes, I remember the station wagon and the, the family, but they just bought five gallons of gas. So that's really a dead end for detectives. Now, what's funny is even back then, hundreds of calls and letters would pour in with tips of, quote, alleged sightings of the family members that were all across the country. One woman even called in to say that she had a vision that the family was, quote, in a water by totem pole, end quote. A what? In water by totem pole, end quote. Oh, Okay. That just, I don't know. That just didn't sound right. Like that's the totem pole is how she ended up in water. It's kind of what I heard. I was like, what? <laughs> now, like, she, like she's in water by totem pole. Like pretty much. That's, yeah. They are in water by a totem pole. Well, okay. Well, I didn't hear the, a totem pole. I just buy a totem pole. Oh, like, I, got how you. Do you, I got you. How does a totem pole put you in water? <laughs> Wait, you ain't never been by a totem pole and get soaking wet? I mean, does that not happen to you? I don't know. Not lately. Not lately. Yeah. I could, there's so many angles we could go there, but I'm just going to keep it G-rated. <laughs> All right. So authorities continued to scour the forest within a 50-mile radius of Portland. Then, in February of 1959, roughly three months, two months after they disappeared, Authorities would come upon a clue, and that was a set of tire tracks on a bluff overlooking the Columbia River that matched the family's 1954 Ford station wagon. Alarmingly, the tracks seemed to run off the cliff. So did the Martin family tumble into the river while backing up, or did the dad have enough of the screaming in the Christmas carols and drove them Bonnie and Clyde style? The Army Corps of Engineers would lower the water level behind the Bonneville Dam, but nothing was turned up. Months would go by before the next break in the case, and that was finally in May of 1959, more than five months after the family went missing. Authorities would find the bodies of Virginia and Sue floating in the Columbia River. Their cause of death was officially listed as drowning. However... Virginia Martin's body was found with a mysterious hole in her skull, and because the girls' bodies had been decomposing for so long, an autopsy could not definitively reveal what might have caused the hole. Meanwhile, there are still no clue, no sightings, nothing of Kenneth, Barbara, and the oldest daughter, Barbie. Or the car. Or the car. One member of the Martin family that we had discussed earlier actually survived this ordeal because he was on the other side of the country in the Navy. He was that one Donald Martin who was 28, and he did not return home for his two little sisters' memorial services though he did come home to settle the family's estate. Quote, I know of no one who would murder my folks or no reason for it, but I don't see how it could have been an accident, end quote. 
Now, that was him speaking to Detective Walter Graven, according to the KOIN 6 News. Now, Graven spent years trying to unravel the Lost Martin family mystery. And he kept, from what I can gather, he kept meticulous notes, notebooks. It was almost like that detective in the Tupac murder. I can't think of his name. He wound up having a heart attack trying to to get the sheriff's department to open up his case again. But anyway, back to this one. Graven had a notebook, and he had scribbled out, and we'll post this. It had to be planned out by, and it's marked out in black. It was written in blue. It's marked out who he says with a black pen, and then it goes on to state, no one else with motive. And according to one investigator's computer enhancement of the scratched-out name, he states that under microscopic analysis, the the word Donald is what is hidden. Now, another piece of evidence that would link Donald to the disappearance was a bloody gun found near a stolen car that had been abandoned in Cascade Locks where the Martins were last seen alive. Quote, it was completely coated with dried blood from whatever they had clubbed, explained Bonnie Cox, who, whose husband found the gun. Quote, they had clubbed something to death, apparently. Now, the Coxes turned the gun over to local sheriff, but bafflingly, or mysteriously, the sheriff never processed it for evidence. He just probably wiped it down and put it in his, his collection. Never processed it for for evidence. That's right. A bloody gun. Yes, sir. A just to be clear, a severely bloody gun. From what it the way it's read, a bloody gun. Yeah, couldn't possibly be involved in any crime whatsoever. When people found the two, the couple that found it, they said that that had been used to bludgeon something to death. That's how much blood was on the gun. But detectives would realize later that the gun had a surprising connection to Donald. See, a few years earlier, old Donald, he'd worked at a local sporting goods store before he was fired for allegedly stealing some things. And some of things included a handgun that was stolen from the sporting goods place that he used to work at. I don't know if they did a serial number match, but the way that some of the articles read, it was the same gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, as the case would go even colder, Detective Graven wrote in his notes, quote, even though I can get no cooperation from anyone, there is no murder that can't be solved, end quote. But unfortunately... Detective Graven never did solve the Lost Martin family case. He died in 1988, and the eldest son, Donald, would die in 2004. So if Donald did do it, he took it to the grave. So what happened to the Martin family? Well, you've got two possibilities. Either they had an accident and somehow slid off that bluff into the Columbia River, or the son had him killed, 
or killed him to get the estate. I don't think so. Uh, that's cr- I don't know, man. I just don't want to believe that. But back then, if you were having problems, it's would have been real easy to cover up. I'm not saying I believe that either, but a lot of people do point out to the fact that that was about the time that you could still, like, you could have been brought before a judge and the judge would be like, look, we're going to put your ass in jail for stealing some shit from the sporting goods place or you can enlist. And that's what that's true. I don't know, but, but it would still be hard for him to be on the other side of the country and orchestrate the family's killing. I couldn't find anything about his service record stating. Did he have leave that weekend? Was he on base? Was he seen by anybody? Any of that stuff? I mean, it's 1958. I'm sure people out there with, Better research faculties than myself could do it. Or if I was yeah. independently wealthy, I would have just driven to New York and we would have figured it out. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't find anything either. Uh, mostly because I didn't look, but <laughs> <laughs> I figured why waste the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're you're like, surely somebody else has already looked for this and, and, and they would have found it by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just bear with me. What we're going to actually do is we're going to steal the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> yeah, that's me, man. Every every time I'm like, I'm just going to have a few beers. I'm not going to get too political. An hour later, we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. So what do you think? You think it was just an untimely accident? I mean, if it was an accident and two bodies are found, you would think some trace of the car would be found. That's what I was thinking because they did lower it behind that dam, and I'm pretty sure they had divers in the water even back in 1959 looking for that car. But as far as I know, that car has still never been found. Yeah, no, no trace whatsoever, none. Not some rando coming across it. Not like Lake Lanier where the lake just like bubbles it up and says, here you go. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it was the largest search in Oregon history, and they came up with nothing. And it was right around Christmas time, so everybody was, you know, kind of expecting the Martin family to be at these Christmas parties, and from what I could gather... You know, this was something they did every year was go out and collect the greenery to make homemade wreaths and gifts. And so it doesn't look like the dad had some kind of suicidal familicide thing on his mind and just drove the car off into the thing. The hole in the daughter, one daughter's head would lead you to believe that she didn't just drown. But she was found almost a year later, so... I don't know, man. This one's an odd one. I don't. If I knew more about the son and his, like, was there money problems with the son? Was he a shitbird in the military, or was he? Did he have a clean record? But again, if if he knew anything about it, he took it to the grave. So this is one of those that may never be solved because if the alleged killer of Mr. Donald Martin did it. 
He sure didn't confess to it. So. Really? Well, coach him. Why would you? Why would you confess on your deathbed? Ah, <laughs> uh, fuck it. I'm gonna leave him guessing. He's like, this will be on a podcast someday. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. All right, so I don't know, man. This one's a hard one. The way that he was seen buying gas and then the lady swear she served him at that snack bar just 20 miles from their home, I don't know. I, don't, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't either. Uh, for those of you that listen to us on Stitcher, uh, you probably already know this, but Stitcher is no more. I wonder what happened. What happened to Stitcher? They got bought out by one of the satellite radio companies. There's only one satellite radio company. Well, there you Sirius go. XM. There you go. Because Sirius bought out XM. So Sirius bought them out. Stitcher. So I don't know. Uh, but if you are, if you did listen to us on Stitcher, I recommend CastBox. It is pretty, pretty good. Um. It's as I think it's as easy to operate as Stitcher was. Um, but with that, Coach, do you uh, have your? Actually, we got a new review, Bob. We did. Yeah, on nine six. Ah, no way. Yeah, I didn't get a notification, bro. Well, I'm sorry, so bro. So it can't be true. Well, I got it says. Hold on. Don't don't be taking up the only thing I have. Be an Apple that. podcast. So you better get your ass in gear. Don't be don't this is don't take this away from me. This is my only <laughs> This is my gig, man. Part. This is my gig. It's not my bag, baby. Yeah. It's like, come on, bro. Uh Amazing job. There you go. Bye. GH dollar sign GGCGHTF3 uh, hashtag or pound sign if you're old. Appers, uh, at symbol dollar sign appersant. Or he could have just easily said that it was from GH dollar sign GG, then the cat walked across that keyboard. <laughs> hey, don't be putting down our five star reviewer, man. So these guys have been the best podcasters I've heard. They're funny but serious when they need to be and intrigue me to extents unimaginable. This is a very well-deserved five-star review. We've got to start, like, living up to these reviews because <laughs> they're spectacular. I mean, if you – like if you you read reviews like that, you're going to be like, man, this is going to be the greatest podcast in the world. If you knew like, us personally and read those reviews, you would be like, are they really talking about the same people I know? <laughs> well, I just feel like I don't contribute enough to get a positive review. That like, man, that that coach, man, he he doesn't drop in much, but when he does, they're zingers. <laughs> they're zingers. <laughs> like, eh? He's like, I'm averaging probably about a five to six percent con- contribution to this podcast. Oh, that's amazing, man. though. It is. I love it. All right. So closing this one up. Um, 
I think Drake just met an untimely death. I don't. What I, kind of death is not untimely, though? Well, probably. What, one, is a, what is a timely death? One that you know is coming. So like an execution? That or a terminal illness. Do you know that in Japan, if you're on death row, they don't tell you when your execution yes, date I is? Yes, I have read that. Do you know? That, that's crazy. Psychological so warfare. Like, every day, they're like. The shoe could drop. Like, it's, could, today could be the day. Like, like, no thanks, man. No. But anyway, back to the um, the Martin family. I, this one's a head scratcher. I really don't know what happened to them. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you, man. Could not tell you. But uh, recommendations, do you, sir, have one? Well, I'm going to recommend two because I've really been watching both of them a lot, and I don't care because I can do whatever the fuck I want. And I've, I've, I've uh, recommended both of them before, too, but, like, the second season of Heels on Stars about the wrestling in Georgia and the second season of Winning Time – the rise of the Lakers on Max, dude. Those things are awesome. Those are two great shows. If you haven't watched them, watch them. All right. So this one, is, there's one season of it. It's a podcast. It's called Welcome. I'm sorry. It's not called Welcome. Shit. Welcome to the show. No, I'm just joking. It's called Honed Cosmos. Now, it is two Christian men. One, I think, is a minister or a preacher out in Utah, and they go through a lot of high strangeness, and they tie it back to the Bible. And I will say I am currently about three-quarters of the way through their first episode titled High Strangeness, Strangeness on the High Sea, and let me tell you something, they do a very good job of dotting their I's and crossing their T's and explain things in a biblical sense that would not lead. Now, my grandmother, God rest her soul, would think it's blasphemy, but they do a very good job of explaining things and stating how things could have been explained in ancient times, why things were done the way they were done. So um, if you are interested in all of that, like they do three episodes on the NIDS era Skinwalker Ranch. They touch on vampires, sleep paralysis, do two episodes on the Mothman. Um, I will say that it is quite interesting, but there's only one season. They're pretty long episodes, so sit back. If you got to do some housework or cut the grass or something like that, just plug yourself in or grade papers, you know, because <laughs> we all know we're just looking to see if they did it. All right, Coach, you got anything else? You know I don't. Uh, deuces.